Hello, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 6, which is titled Days Like This. The episode aired on November 11th, 1995. Lauren, what was going on this week 25 years ago? Well, the Atlanta Braves defeat the Cleveland Indians in six games to win the 1995 World Series. Woohoo! More bad news for the city of Cleveland as the owner of the Browns finalizes a deal to move the NFL franchise to Baltimore and rebrand as the Baltimore Ravens. A new Browns franchise would eventually return to Cleveland in 1999 and proceed to have two decades of utter ineptitude, achieving only two winning seasons and one playoff appearance in that time. Still Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Um, Cleveland. Get Shorty is the number one movie at the box office, and Fantasy by Mariah Carey continues to top the music charts. And this week we hold steady from last week's episode with the exact same number of viewers, 35.3 million. Um, And then this episode, so this is going to be a a little bit of a lengthy uh, segment here, so bear with me. Um, This week's episode is directed by Mimi Letter and uh, written by Lydia Woodward. If you listen to last week's episode and Baby Makes 2, you'll notice that I said that that episode was directed by Mimi Letter and, and written by Lydia Woodward. Well, that was wrong. So from the corrections department, uh, last episode was directed by Leslie Gladder, who is a veteran TV director um, with shows like Homeland, The Walking Dead, Pretty Little Liars, and Mad Men, amongst many others. Um, And this was the first of 13 episodes that she would direct through 2008. So she would be somebody who would kind of return, seems like about once a season, um, to do an episode. Um, And then it was written by Ann Kenny another kind of semi-prolific TV writer who would do um, stuff like L.A. Law, a show called Family Law that I wasn't familiar with, but she dire- she wrote like 68 episodes of it. So it must have been at least semi-popular. Um, mm-hmm. And then a show called Greek as well. But this is the only episode of ER that she wrote. So it kind of just brings me to a larger point of when we get stuff wrong, like as far as character motivations or like, character significance like i know somebody who's come up this season has been loretta like we kind of wrote her off initially of just like ah she's a one-off character she's nobody we need to remember and then she kind of has turned into like a little mini arc that we're still kind of working our way through but we wouldn't really have known that if somebody hadn't pointed that out to us i think on twitter and much like somebody else that was in i think season one somewhere somebody pointed out to us that they had actually gone on to have a successful career in like local news and that's all stuff that like we wouldn't have known if somebody hadn't pointed it out to us so i encourage everybody like if we get something wrong or if we forget something or you know whatever like we are all big fans of the show but we're by no means experts and there's certainly people out there who know way more than we do definitely do more than i do so if there does come a time where we've got stuff wrong or we've forgotten to mention something or not giving it as much not giving it as much significance as you think it deserves reach out to us let us know you know we can be reached pretty much pretty regularly on facebook and uh, i run the instagram i can definitely be reached through there you know reach out to us as long as you're like cool about it and like not like you idiots how could you possibly have forgotten that loretta was going to be in four episodes instead of only one like as long as you're cool about it like we can oh we're always open to criticism and would always appreciate uh getting that stuff kind of corrected because we want to have as kind of as all-encompassing of a picture of the series as we can so any little bit helps with that 
But that's it for this week. Very well said, Daniel. All right, and our episode for this week is going to open uh, Union Station. Uh, we're pretty sure Lauren and I, it's the Adam Street entrance. Uh, just based on the perspectives, Lauren and I are well-versed in Union Station as we take it quite, we, well, before all of this fun stuff started, we were there at least a couple times a year, but if not more. I was there a lot during college. Yeah, but it's it's super weird to see payphones. We have Mark coming out of the station, going right over to the payphone bank, which is like right along the river, and it's just what? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this this is just 2020 us going back and looking at a series from 25 years ago, but just like, why isn't he getting his cell phone out? Yeah, why doesn't he just call Doug that way? <laughs> exactly. Like, text him, you monster. Ugh. Sometimes we forget we're watching a 25-year-old show, and then we're violently reminded that we're watching a 25-year-old show. <laughs> um, but Mark is running from the train station to the payphones to call Doug. Uh, there's no answer at Doug's place, and he, of course he does the thing where he's where he's trying to leave a me- leave a message to get Doug to pick up while he's leaving a message. He's like, come on, pick it up, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up, do the thing, come on. And to no avail, um, he left some paperwork that him and Morgan certainly need to talk about on uh, Doug's kitchen table. And so he's got to run over there and grab it before he goes into work, but to which he was already late. So great day. Great start to the day for Mark. Sounds like a normal day for Mark. So then we open into a cruising shot through a very hectic ER. A guy shows up and he's carrying a briefcase and he's like, are you, are you Carol Hathaway to Randy? And Randy goes, do I look like a nurse? Like just chilling out in her leopard print shirt and, you know, vamped out makeup as always. And we love it. Here for it. We we stand Randy on this podcast. It turns out that there was a gang at conflict in the wee hours of the morning, and that is why the ER is so packed right now. So everybody's just doing their best, and it's a mess. But it's a really nice, it's one of those great continuous shots that we get through everything, and it, it just sets us up really well for the tone of the episode. Um, and then we go into another, we go into a trauma. It's sort of a nothing patient that we don't really revisit throughout the rest of the episode but caught we just caught malik with some uh potentially some casual transphobia in there just they keep referring to they keep referring to the patient as he and then malik of course has to say only it's quote only it's a she not a he we didn't know until we cut open the shirt nice well, nice 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 language well, there it's never told to us if the patient was actually trans or if they were just dressed androgynously. Yeah, but it's still really rude to refer to anyone as using its. Like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that would be the only sticking point, really, I think. But but I understand in the in the flow of language and the context of how the scene is presented where they're talking about like the films or something. And he goes, yeah, OK, but they're only it's a it's a um it's a she, not a he, but it's not like saying it's a... Y- yeah, that's what I take issue with. Fair. That's what I take I, issue with. The way it was presented in the line read, I did not take it that way. Fair enough. I get where you're coming from because that is a prevalent issue. Yeah. And it sucks. But the other thing to note, we don't hear anything more about this patient. We, oh, never, yeah. find out, we never find out if this patient is actually a male or a female or anything. There's no storyline with this patient. We just thought it was a very strange... It, yeah, it was just a very strange phrasing of a line. So yeah, yeah, especially to be a throwaway too. Yeah. So then we continue. Still no answer from Doug. They're paging him at the 
at the admit desk trying to like find okay where's Doug you know we need more doctors here he's supposed to be on um Carter and Benton are up in surgery so they're unavailable to help and there's a joke that they're like oh it's only us women folk and then Malik's like hey and they're like, oh, and you, Malik, of course, that are just running the traumas. So the ladies are holding down the ER at the moment. All right. And then uh, after that, we have uh, Mark, who actually showing up at Doug's, and there's something something a little scandalous going on. So let's listen into their stuff. Doug! What are you doing here? You didn't get my message? What message? I left the sub-eye paperwork here, and Morgenstern wants to review it today. Look, why don't you hurry up, get dressed, and I'll ride in with you. Uh, no, Mark, I mean, you just go. I don't want to make you late. No, no, I'm, I'm already late, so you know. No, it's all right. On. No, I'm going to run some errands. It's okay. Your really. paper's gone. Off. Running. All right, look, it's not what you think. But it's what I've seen, isn't it? What the hell is that supposed to mean? I've overlooked a lot of your behavior, Doug. Now a medical student? All right, Mark, look, wait. There are rules, Doug. You can't go break them all the time expecting Mark, me to do nothing about it. Come on, Mark. You don't get it, do you, Doug? You could be out on your butt for this, and I could be, too, yeah. for not reporting it. Oh, uh, Mark, wait. OK, that's fine. Yeah. Smooth move there, uh, Doug. That was Harper in case you didn't recognize the voice on the audio there. I need to start out by saying she. there's no way she didn't hear Mark in the kitchen. Yeah. And there's no way that Clooney didn't hear the phone. Like, the whole thing is very... Or the the long, meandering message that Mark leaves him, like, on a 90s voice uh, uh, answering machine that, you know, plays it out like a speaker. Like, there's lots of, like, sitcom-y trope-type stuff in here, but... But the point is that Doug is bang uh, is banging uh, Harper. Not necessarily Sin- is banging, has banged. Has banged. <laughs> A singular bang. So tense, far, it's, tense is important here. It's only been the one. Fair enough. Has banged. Fair enough. Oh boy. Either way, that's a beautiful sandwich. Douglas. Good Douglas. God. Douglas. What? They're Clooney's hot. She's hot. Harper's hot. It's all. What? Yep. And then there's uh, speaking of bangs, we come in with some bangs. <laughs> We're back on the bang train. We're back on the bangs. <laughs> oh, God. You two can handle this episode without me. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So then uh, we see Jeannie run in, which we have not we really haven't gotten to see Jeannie in a couple episodes. Like, she's been referred to, I think, a couple of times, but we've never, we haven't actually gotten to see her in a couple episodes. So it's nice to see her back. And this is actually... Um, her first day in the ER um, she runs in she kind of knocks into two of the gangbangers from earlier which starts a fight between them um, and she's starting her ER rotation today as part of her physician's assistant schooling um, and this is also her addition to the cast like she graduates from just being like a recurring guest star or a recurring role to she has officially joined the cast with this episode so I thought that was notable so she comes in, um, I think it's uh, Weaver she's talking to, who says, you know, she she's like, yeah, it's your first day, right? I think you'll find it's a vaguely friendly crowd, <laughs> which, you know, given how Carrie's introduction to the ER has gone, that's not really surprising. She feels that way. They immediately go into a trauma, and who should be happening to be running that trauma but one Peter Benton. Get a little bit more bulletin. 
and it is not not great. Peter is a big old baby this episode. He basically just turns into like a jilted high schooler. Like he just he acts so immature in this episode, I feel. And it just puts Jeannie in such an awkward position. She looks so awkward in the trauma, has no clue, you know, where exactly she needs to be in the moment to, like, offend the least amount of people. Or not. I mean, I don't think it's a, a competence issue. I don't think that it's that she doesn't know what to do. I think it's that she doesn't know what to do in this exact situation where he so clearly does not want her to be there. But we'll see a lot of that as we go along. And then Weaver with the most backhanded like thing is so Wendy comes running in with uh, some X-rays. They've been they they've got p- traumas going in both rooms, um, and clearly this has been an ongoing thing all morning. And so she's got uh, films that she's bringing in, and the patient that she's looking for is not in the room that they're currently in. So they send her next door. That patient isn't the right one either. The patient she's got the films for has already gone up to surgery. And Weaver with the just most backhanded, like, she's like, everyone is so on their toes today, except for Wendy. It's like, rude, man. Really rude. But that's Weaver for you. And we love her anyway. Uh, Maybe not right now, but as we go along, though. But in the other trauma room, Mark is running that trauma. And Doug just, you know, decides to show up in the middle of it and immediately tries to pull Mark out of it and like in the mid and like in front of everyone just like no we gotta talk man no 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 we gotta we gotta talk right now like and like Mark is basically telling him to fuck off because mm-hmm. Mark's in the middle of treating a patient and yeah Mark's in the middle of treating a patient and like he said he even te- Mark tells him that's not the time or place to have the conversation that Doug wants to that Doug so vehemently needs to have apparently it can wait. But yeah, we will... That is not the last we have heard of the storyline. That's for damn sure. Uh, yep. Oh, hi, Al. We see Al has brought in a gang member who bit him after Al's canine unit bit the patient. So they have to get everybody cleaned up because Al's been bitten by a dirty human mouth. This kid's been bitten by a filthy dog mouth. Like, nobody's nobody's coming out a winner in this. And Daniel, did you want to tell us a little bit more about this uh, gang member? Yeah, well, this so this episode I'll say right off the top has a lot of oh hey it's that guy's at least in my opinion like there there's quite a few of them here and this guy was kind of the first one that I noticed he's the guy as Lauren mentioned he's the guy that um, Al is bringing in in handcuffs character's name I believe is Jorge and he's played by an actor named Guillermo Diaz who is definitely got a like very uh, familiar looking face and I looked at his IMDb and um, a bunch of stuff kind of jumped out at me right away Um, half-baked I think is the thing that I know him from best Um, he's one of the like kind of side characters in that Um, he was also in the movie cop out the series weeds he had a recurring uh, role in and uh, scandal as well he also had a, a pretty pretty long running recurring role in that um, so he's just kind of a working actor, but he's he's definitely somebody that I recognize right off the bat and first of many in this episode, I think. Yeah, and then um, he's just spouting out shit, calling everybody names, and he refers to Randy by a name that she is not too fond of, and she assaults him. Like, she grabs him and slams him against the wall and is like, what'd you call me? What'd you say? And just... Fucking, just go, Randy. Just terrifying. She's having a day. And he looks terrified of her. It is so worth it just to see him go like, wait, somebody's going to mess with me back? What? 
So Carol kind of breaks it up, takes everybody to get cleaned up, sends Al with Lydia to get him cleaned up, and then she makes sure that Jorge is secured to a gurney, and then they figure out who's going to take care of him. So we'll see a little bit more of him later on. And then Harper shows up and asks Mark if they can talk. And he's like, all right, 20 minutes in the lounge. And he's just, he's already so done with this conversation that he Mm. hasn't had with either of them. But to be fair, Mark, Harper doesn't ask Mark in the middle of a trauma. So that's probably why she got a response from him. Right. She also doesn't have the pattern of behavior that Clooney does either. This is That's true. So then we get Carol's notary, which we we may or may not have established at this point that it's her notary, um but it he was the guy who was looking for her um at the kind of at the beginning of the episode at the nurse's station who's talking to Randy. But her notary has passed out up in the cafeteria, so uh I think it's Jerry wheels him out of the uh the elevator and he said he fell face first passed out face first into his oatmeal. Uh, and they're going to get him admitted so he's kind of he's got like chunks of oatmeal all over his face and shirt looks pretty gross his the notary's mr zimble is the character's name and he's played by another oh hey it's that guy uh robert picardo who has um kind of the thing you would know him from best is if you're a star trek fan he um, had a long-running role on star trek voyager um he also appeared in star trek first contact and then he's he's been in a ton of movies and tv shows as well um, he had 228 credits overall to his name. So very, very, very prolific actor. And uh, so he's there because Carol is trying to buy a house um, and it's going into escrow that day. So she's got all this paperwork to sign and get notarized by Mr. Zimble. Um, so the, the whole Carol's buying a house thing is going to be a kind of an overarching storyline in this episode. So we'll definitely come back to Mr. Zimble. For now, uh, we have our next audio for the, for you today. Um, it, we have we follow Carter over a couple different scenes. First, you know, got a feel, got to get a got to get a good feel for that tension that's uh, there with uh, with Boulenton. That Boulenton tension. <laughs> there, you, you know what? I stand. You, you're you're good. And then we have some Carter and Harper dialogue. Uh, what did we call that? Charter. Carper. 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 Yeah. Carper. Yeah. It's all bad. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Let's listen in. Can I help with anything in here? We've managed so far. Hey, Jeannie, how are you? Fine, thanks. Pulse house falling, 82 on 50%. Hang those two units. I didn't realize you were uh, starting today. Yeah, I finished. BP! 91 over 50, pulse 112. Must be great to be done with all the classwork, huh? Definitely. You think you're gonna miss working in real- Carter, what the hell are you yapping for? I thought you wanted to help. All right, then assess the patient, all right? Uh, penetrating trauma to zone two of the neck can result in tracheal compression, secondary to hematoma formation from subclavian or internal carotid injury, which is probably why you're doing a bronchoscopy. Anything else I can help with? Yes, Mr. Carter, we've used the last blood gasket. It would be extremely helpful if you would go and make some more. You mean actually go and make them up? Syringe, label, Alcohol wipes, little plastic bags. Right. Sorry. Sort of. Morning. Hi. What a day, huh? Yeah. Benton is in the foulest mood I've ever seen, which is saying quite a lot. And Green just yelled at Ross right in the middle of the trauma, right in front of everybody. About what? No clue. Hey, you off tonight? Yeah. I've got two tickets to the Blues Traveler. Good idea? No, actually. It'll be great. No, it won't. I mean, I don't think... I 
wanting to talk to you privately. What? Later. Wait, 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 what? Harper, wait a minute, what is it? Nothing. No, it's something. Yeah? So tell me. <laughs> What's going on? Just tell me. Harper, Jess. I slept with Doug Ross. Oof. Yikes. Just drop just... that bomb on you. Yeah. And just... Peter is such a fucking petulant child. Nah. Like, Baby Jesus ben. Christ, man. Come. Carter, Come how on. dare you be polite? How dare you try to make uh, Phil Genie feel welcome? Right. How dare you make polite conversation during this trauma that I have under complete control? Ugh. And then, Carter, great taste in music. <laughs> the, blues, with blues traveler. The, the Blues Traveler. The Blues Traveler. The Blues Traveler, excuse me. And Daniel's favorite band. That's, yes. that's not at all. Let's not start. Let's not start that on this show. The, the, the TPC memes are leaking. Oh God! Oh no! Um, and Carter just looks so heartbroken when she when she blurts that out. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that's the end of like the actual scene goes on for another about like 15, 30 seconds or so. Like it's just Carter just looking absolutely devastated. Sound of silence plays softly in the background. Just all of it. Just so much. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Everybody's a mess in this scene, and just everybody needs to get their. Everybody's shit a mess in this whole episode. This whole episode should just be called "What a mess." Yeah. This whole episode should just be called "Look at our dirty laundry." Yeah, this is, um, this is a little right. bit of a. This is a soapy. This is a soapy episode. Mm, suds, but then from there we <laughs> we we revisit Jorge, the gang member who was bitten, and he's shouting for more attention, like screaming at the nurses' station from his gurney where he's handcuffed. And Carrie's just like, oh, so-and-so can handle it. Nope, I'm busy. So-and-so else can handle it. Nope, I'm busy. And so it just, it comes down to Carrie and Jeannie going to take care of his wound. And when they get over there and they start looking at him, he kicks Jeannie in the chest and sends her flying across the hall and then shoves Carrie and sends her sprawling and losing her crutch and getting her earring ripped out. And then he goes to wheel away, dragging the gurney he's attached to. Like, what's your plan? Where are you going? Like, <laughs> he's gonna get on the L with a gurney. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Randy picks up Carrie's crutch, which was on the ground, and slams him in the face, knocking him out cold. And then when she hands it back to Carrie, Carrie's like, "Thanks." And then Randy's like, "Just don't tell my parole officer," and walks away. <laughs> Ooh. I I love Randy so much. Like she's fantastic. I'm so happy Jerry has good help. I love the like dramatic shot they have of when the crutch hits the floor, like when it gets knocked out of Carrie's hand and and just goes crashing to the floor. Like they they do this like very dramatic like oh no shot when the the crutch hits the floor. Like it's almost like I don't know how to like what to compare it to like it, to me it's like when like the the kid on the playground gets punched and loses his glasses it's like oh no like this is awful and then it goes immediately in the other direction with randy kicking the shit out of him it's just it's a good scene so then from there we go over to uh doug who is in a consult with bernstein the uh 
guy from the peds department he's the the guy in charge of pediatrics um who is no big fan of ross as we recall from that staff meeting a few episodes ago um and they're disagreeing over the treatment uh, course for a child patient they've got um who uh, suffered a bicycle accident he looks like he's maybe like 10 or so you know he's conscious he's alert like he's not he he's not in a bad way at all but ross for some reason has decided to bring in Bernstein for a consult and kind of kind of just to pick a fight with him which is going to become kind of uh the the overarching theme for Ross in this episode is that he's kind of just looking for an excuse looking for a fight one interesting note I had here the kid um he's kind of a no hey it's that guy but not really he looked a little familiar to me and I couldn't really place where I had seen him before he was a child actor obviously um, but the most kind of notable thing that he did in his career was a Disney Channel series called The Jersey. It was a semi-long running series. I think it ran from like the late 90s into the early 2000s, maybe two or three seasons. And he was the lead on that. So that was kind of his his most notable role that he had. And unfortunately, he passed away in 2016 at age 31 from cardiovascular Aww. disease which is really sad. I'm, I wonder if he had some kind of like heart defect or something that maybe caused his heart to be weakened at a young age. But, um, but yeah, that's the story of that kid. Well, that sucks. I was going to, we're going to, I was going to do a funny audio clip next, but now I don't want to. <laughs> let's, Sorry. let's let this one breathe for a minute and then we can do the funny audio clip. There you go. <sighs> okay. Now we have, uh, nurses and, Jer- uh, nurses and Jerry all gossiping about Randy's criminal past. Where's Randy? She's on a break. I bet it was assault with a deadly weapon. Well, she's obviously good at it. I bet she's good at murder, too. Murder? They would never let her out, would they? My money's on Grand Theft Auto. Hmm? Assault. Theft. Kidnapping. Have you seen Dr. Benton? Uh, he's with a patient in two. Oh, and Jerry, with all the commotion today, you probably missed lunch. You should just order in a burger and fries or something. Eat here at the desk. Jerry, the 12-year-old Joseph Connor in the uh, uh, curtain area at 2. I want you to admit him to Pete's ICU 24-hour observation, please. Sure. That, D- Doug. That can only, Doug Ross, that can only go well. <laughs> They love a they love a good betting pool at the admit desk, don't they? Like, yeah, they are all taking bets at, during that, and while Jerry's wolfing down a burger and immediately hides it when Carrie comes in. <laughs> it just just oh, let me put my basket under the table where you won't see it. <laughs> and then she immediately like is like, yeah, you should you should do that. And his face is just like, uh, like I probably smushed my burger. Like he just looks like so sad. <laughs> like he's just like, oh, I smushed it for nothing. Mm, I love Jerry. So then uh, we go from there to Benton uh, talking to a cardiovascular patient who he suspects um, could possibly be a surgical candidate, which we'll get into the the why on that here in a minute. The character, uh, the patient rather, Mr. Lake, uh, this is probably the oh hey it's that guy of this episode that I am most proud of nailing down. Mr. Lake is the cardiovascular patient here, as I mentioned. He's not credited in the episode if you go on IMDb. If you go on IMDb and look, you can... You can look through that cast list all day for this episode. You will not find Mr. Lake or this actor credited, but I am like 99.9% sure that this is who it is. Um, It's an actor by the name of Felton Perry and his most famous role. He's another guy who's like pretty prolific, kind of a character actor. Um, But the thing that he's most known for, in my opinion, is he's one of kind of the bad 
guy executive corporate guys in the robocop movies the original ones not the reboot from a few years ago um but the 80s uh movies uh robocop he's one of the the big bads in that and he's uncredited in this episode never Um, seen him there was a robocop reboot yeah, I want to say like 2014 or 2015, I think. It kind of By all accounts it was terrible. Yeah, it it, it kind of went over like a wet fart, but the the originals I am a big fan of. Especially the first one. It it got a little stupid as it went along, but the first one especially is a, a ton of fun. Um and he's kind of one of the 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 not the big bad biggest bad, but he's like one of the like bad actor uh, not not a bad actor, but I mean as a character the uh, the character is a bad faith actor but yeah go watch robocop good movie anyway benton says that mr lake is going to need an angiogram to check on his heart condition even though he's not currently in pain uh susan kind of waltzes in and asks about mr lake's status and he kind of blurts out before benton can get ahead of it that benton is kind of selling him on this surgery and they start discussing the surgery and the surgeon involved, which is Dr. Vucilich, a character we're going to get to know very well over the next uh, few episodes. And so this kind of gives Susan some pause because originally it was her patient and he's Benton's kind of sliding in on the backside here trying to, to poach him for surgery to get in good with the aforementioned Dr. Vucilich. Um, so that's where we're kind of leading into that here. And then just quickly, we've got uh, Weaver, as they're leaving, Weaver stops Benton and asks him to um, stitch up her ear um, where her earring got pulled out during the uh, the gang fight earlier. Or not the gang fight. I mean, Randy might be in a gang at this point. We don't know. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, so she no just, judgment. Just wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> just asked Benton to stitch up her ear. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meet me in the whatever room in like 10 minutes. And she's like, oh, you know, no rush. It's just my ear. Like, she's very passive-aggressive about it. (sighs) Everybody's just so snippy this episode. Yeah. And then we get some more awkwardness. Doug and Harper have to have a talk, and we have to listen to it. (laughs) There are hips to find one, right? I've never even met him. Peter, Susan, is there a problem? No. Good. Then, Peter, if you don't mind, I think I'm going to need a few stitches. I'm on my way to radiology. I'll meet you in the switch room. Anytime. Just my ear. How you doing? Fine. Do we get a chance? Uh, I'm usually kind of glad to avoid the uh, morning after stuff. I'm sorry. You don't need to apologize. I was there, too. I know. It's just, if Mark hadn't, you know, come out. We would have already had this kind of awkward, kind of, yikes, what did we do conversation. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I'll see you around, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'll see you around. The moral of the story here, kids, is don't dip your pen in company ink. That's a nicer way to say it, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, so awkward. Uh, God damn it, Doug. I'm glad that they don't set Harper up as this fawning, naive idiot, though. Oh, yeah, no, thank God, no. That they just have oh. her like, yeah, it happened. Oops. <laughs> I, was I was there, there. too. Yeah, Yeah, like, this was consenting. <laughs> like, like, not the smartest choice that we've made, but I was there, like, 
they clearly established that it was not an abuse of the power dynamic. Just go Harper for being an adult. Though later later in the episode we find out she's only 21, and then I blanched a little bit because I'm like, God, how old is Doug? <laughs> Doug's not that much older. He's got to be at least in his 30s. Yeah, I would say it's at least a solid 10 years older, if not if not a bigger gap. See, what... The, with the level of disgust in your voice there, I thought it was like, like is he like in his 40s or something? Because no. like, that would be ridiculous. No, it's not that. But it's the fact that he's 10 years older than her and a work superior. It's the two of them combined that makes it icky. That's fair. Yeah. If she was already just his peer, and like if she was already a resident or like done with school, fine, whatever. But it's the fact that like, and that's the whole crux of this issue is right. that she is a student and he is right. You know, in a position above above her <laughs> power, power wise. Power wise. Shut up. I hate you all. We never saw, we don't know. Don't do we, don't do, go there. Okay. Don't I don't go there. I was like, do we want to have a discussion? Do we think Doug's a bottom? Oh god. <laughs> no. Let's save that. No, Let's don't. save that for the season wrap up. All right, there we go. We've already talked enough about Alton Brown today. I don't need to extend this. <laughs> what? Um, Wait a minute. <laughs> cut, uh, cutthroat Kitchen. Cutthroat Kitchen. Oh, okay. All like, right. we literally watched an episode yesterday where he where he expertly... Okay, we watched an episode yesterday where he put BDSM gear on a guy. Like a spreader oh, bar. Yes, okay. spreader bar. And in this episode that we watched today while we were eating he lunch... He tied someone up. Yeah, he tied someone up. Very, Comfortably. Yeah, like he knew okay. what he was doing. He was like, come here, I'll hold the rope. You just stand still. And he just he just did it. And it was just like, oh. That is okay. not the first time that man has done that and, to someone. And if you're on the Twitter, there are a lot of Daddy Alton jokes. So it's it's just a whole thing. And it's totally right. believable. I'll yeah, so I'm good. We've we've had enough of these discussions today. Um, so back to ER. <laughs> back to ER. Are we good with that? Talking, yeah. uh, talking about Carol, or not Carol and Doug. Harper and Doug? Yeah. Okay. So we go and we revisit Mr. Zimble, and Carol is with him, and just discuss- they're discussing his heart health, and, you know, he mentions how hard his job is, and she goes, it can't be that hard, it's just signing, it's just, like, stamping papers. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, I see all these people signing, and they're buying houses, and they're using their savings, and, you know, six months down the line, if they get divorced, and they're screaming and crying, and he just keeps going off about all the horrors of buying a house, and he's like, and they break into sweats, and, you know, their hands get clammy, and as he's saying these things, they're happening to Carol, like, she starts wiping her brow, and, like, steals a sip of his water, and so he just starts to stress her out as she's signing the papers. So clearly he's just a very empathetic soul who just takes on all the stress of his clients. I was getting stressed out even, like, <laughs> listening to him. Like, buying actor. A, yeah, like, buying a car was bad enough when Lauren and I did it a few years ago. Can't you? Ugh. God, just... We struggle enough with deciding to sign a rent lease. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much less to commit to... I'm sorry, I was too busy thinking about Batman. Exactly. And then we we switch back over to Su- Susan and Benton talking about Mr. Lake. And based on his cardiogram, what was the procedure that he had done for that? Angiogram. Angiogram. Um, based on his angiogram, it does not appear that he's a surgical candidate after all. He is within the threshold for medical treatment as opposed to surgical treatment for whatever he has going on. Um... And Susan's like, oh, I hope you didn't call Vucilich already because you've wasted his time if 
He's such a know. he's such a low such a fun loving guy yeah. or something like that. Yeah, he's such a fun loving guy. He's gonna love that you waste this time to come down here for somebody he, who doesn't even need his treatment. Because the whole thing is Vucelich is doing a cardiac cardiology study and is looking for patients that fit the bill. And so she's like, yeah, she's gonna love that you wasted his time with this. And I just have to say, Susan has grown so much in a season. We see her sticking up and advocating for herself so much more lately. Like, if you think about how she and Benton interacted last season early on Mm -hmm. and how much he walked all over her, she never would have sassed him like this a season ago. It's true. Yeah, it's kind of a nice, like mirror like it's kind of a nice rhyme to i mean i know i've kind of been critical of the early parts of season two kind of tracing over some of the elements of of season one but this is one that i'm actually i appreciate because it really does show some growth here we we get almost the same dynamic from season one and it's just now the roles are reversed it's nice yeah i liked it so yeah we'll we'll come back to that whole situation a little bit later on all right and then uh after that we have a roof shot yeah, we are we are back on our roof. Bullshit from uh the first season. Looks like the uh, 99.9% sure it's the exact same roof. Even though it kind of looks like the towers are in a little bit different place. So if not the exact same roof, definitely one very near to where they were shooting. But uh, we have Doug and Mark up there discussing the Harper situation. So let's listen to their chat. Hey. Want to talk? I don't know. Are you sure there's the right time and place? Okay, fine. Forget it. Mark, look, you don't have to worry about what you saw this morning. You know what? I'm worried about what I see every morning. You fight with Carrie Weaver over half your cases. Call in docs for curbside consults, fast-track patients. What the hell are you doing? The job. That's, that's what I'm doing. That's not what Bernstein thinks. Well, Bernstein thinks. doesn't know squat about working the he ER. He knows about your cases. Because you're telling him. Oh, no. He reads the charts. See, he's the head of pediatrics. I didn't seduce her, Mark. It doesn't matter how it happened. Harper's third year. There are rules. A stupid rule. You know that. What difference does it make? Huh? You get caught breaking them. You're out of here. I get caught not reporting them. I'm out of here. Fine. You know what? Report me. I don't care. Huh? You don't care about anyone. I didn't do this alone, Mark. She's 21 years old. What about Carter, huh? You care about him? He and Harper are going out, or didn't you know? It's got nothing to do with Carter. No, it's all about you, isn't it? It's always all about you. I don't care. I don't even care. Just report me. Ugh. But the fact when he says, well, what about Carter? And it just kind of was like, oh, yeah, this is a shared work environment. And Clooney would know Carter, even if they hardly interact lately. Like... Just like, yeah. hey, this is going to impact your, bro- like, a bro. What are you doing? Like, it's more than just you here. Like, you selfish prick. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, Doug was doing so, so well at the end of last season with how he handled Carol's wedding. And just, uh, come on, man. We were rooting for you. You were the chosen one, <laughs> Doug. <laughs> he was bound to backslide just a little bit. I know, I know. He does have some redemption next episode, though, so we'll talk. But that's a whole other thing. This is true. Next episode's a good one, but we'll get there. Yeah, this just... I, I'm really proud of Mark for, like, being brave enough to stand up to his friend like this and being like, no, dude, you're being an asshole. Mm-hmm. So then, Peter comes in to stitch Carrie up, and Jeannie is about to actually start it. <laughs> Peter, you fucking asshole. And Carrie goes, (laughs) Carrie goes, why don't you walk her through it? But instead of walking her through it and going step by step like a good teaching hospital would, he just immediately, without taking any pause, goes from start to finish, just 
like you do this then you do this then you do this then you do this and then you do this and make sure you do this and do this and do this and then this and then this and then you're done okay bye in the very benton monotone but not the very white benton monotone no. just the grumpy benton monotone grumpy exactly benton, yeah. but he he just he's like done 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 bye like he wants nothing to do with this <sighs> and <laughs> then he walks out and carrie looks at Jeannie and she's well at least you can say he's thorough <laughs> like he hits all he does hit all the points he just doesn't do it in a very like teachable manner so it's just very cute and i just love how carrie's like well i get it i'm not a people person <laughs> he's just a child yeah yeah he's such a fucking baby in this episode good god all right so then from there uh we get the appearance the first on-screen appearance of dr Buselich. um he's down in, down in the er uh with Benton and Susan taking a look at the x-rays from, uh, or the, the angiogram results from Mr. Lake. Vucelich, uh disagrees with their assessment, says that he thinks that the guy is a candidate for surgery after all. This is planting a seed for later on down the road. Keep that in mind. Uh, not this episode, later in the season. So he takes Mr. Lake off Susan's hands and has invites Benton and Carter to join him for the surgery. Um, and Dr. Vucelich is, um, ups- I would say he's... I'm trying to think of who he would be our equivalent to from season one. Maybe like he's maybe a tag level recurring. Like he's kind of our, you know, he'll be around for a while, but you don't need to pay too close of attention to him until his shit really falls apart at the end. Yeah. But um, he's going to be with us for nine episodes total. So eight more after this. Um, He's played by uh, actor Ron Rifkin. um, Another pretty prolific, pretty like, oh, hey, it's that guy kind of actor, uh, character actor. Um, He's got appearances in shows and movies such as Alias. That's kind of his most, he he had the most appearances in episodes as uh, a character in uh, L.A. Confidential and Boiler Room. Cool. All right. Um, We, and then after that, we revisit the... uh Bernstein and Doug issue, um, and Bernstein is, you know, rightfully chewing Doug out for admitting the patient earlier, as we heard in an earlier earlier audio clip, instead of, you know, doing what the director of pediatrics says, and to not admit him, but Doug, you know, being the rebel that he is, the <laughs> seemingly rebel that he is, for whatever reason, um, self-destructive reason it may be. But yeah, Bernstein's chewing him out and basically says that, like, as previously mentioned, you know, Doug's fellowship, you know, with the pediatrics department down to the ER is up as of approximately a month from now from what they from what from what they say a little later in the episode it will not be renewed as of the new year. And Bernstein basically just tells him, like, you're not having you don't have a fucking job here after the first of the year. Fuck. Fuck you. And Carol just sees this whole thing and just can't really tell what like sympathetic almost in a way type kind of expression on her face yeah yeah i'd say she's just kind of like man my my life fell apart last year and no yours is going to shit that sucks like just kind of like i get it yeah Yeah. i get the impression that this is not the first time that she's borne witness to his kind of self-destructive behavior like watching himself sabotage is probably a familiar thing for her doug what are you doing sweet boy you're not being a sweet boy right now so then we move on to the surgery on Mr. Lake and Vucelich is showing off and he, he, they're just talking about certain concepts of the study and everything and Carter pipes up to be like, oh yeah, your study on blah, 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 I've been reading it. And Vucelich is like, oh, well, you know, you want to present on it while I'm doing this? And so Carter starts going off about the basic tenets of the study that, he, that Vucelich is doing 
And Morgenstern is in there, too, operating with Vucelich. And Benton is standing next to Carter, just looking grumpy and just like, meh, my student's showing off. Meh, it's not me. Meh. And it's just very wet audio this whole time. The Foley work during the sequence is just very squishy. They're working overtime on both these, these, uh, th- this scene and the one coming up. Like they're, the, the effects department is all over, all over these two. Cause then quickly we go down and check with Mr. Zimble, who is, uh, Carol is coming in to check on him and he's saying that he, you know, I doubt you really even want this house. She's been running around. She's, it's been probably several hours since the last time she checked in with him and signed any of his paperwork and everything. And so she's just been running around doing her job. She's really, really busy today. Like, and she didn't count on her notary being admitted to the hospital with a heart condition. Um, and while all that's going on in the next bed over, they're in kind of the, I don't know what room that's called, but like it's the room that's got multiple beds in it. I think I think it's just one of the treatment. Rooms. Yeah, it's a treatment room, uh, but it's got two beds in it. And then on the far bed, on the behind the camera, they do a quick pan over. We hear this awful vomiting sound, and like just the the foley work again, working overtime. Um, they pan over, and Jeannie is just covered in this like Technicolor Ugh. vomit from this kid. Ugh. Like the effects department, really, like I said, working overtime, earning their money. I'm gonna gross you guys out. It looks like stale Coca Cola with gummy worms. Did in we? It. Did we have to say that? <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> when I, my stomach is still full of dinner. Yes, uh, we did because I have to paint a word picture for our that's audience. Right. We want to be they thorough. Need to hear it. Yeah. And now when you edit, you get to hear it again. I hate you. You're welcome. I I hate you you so much right now. I love you. I'm quarantined with this woman, and I hate her. (laughs) So Jeannie runs off to get cleaned up. Good save, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) Then we move into uh, Harper apologizing to Carter about sleeping with Doug. And uh, turns out their relationship hasn't gone uh, quite as far as uh, we thought it might have. It's relatively PG. So it turns out they only kissed the one time. Uh, that The time that they kissed a couple episodes, was that last episode or two episodes two ago? Two episodes ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, over that patient that Carter was suturing, that was their first and only kiss, which I find incredibly sweet and very, very weird. But <laughs> <laughs> An autobiography. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, he just sort of, Carter's just not really having it. and Sweet baby Carter. It's, yeah... I just, I just hate to see my boy in pain. That's, that's about how I feel about this, he this whole scene. Is being a little bit overly sensitive, I think. Like he's a tiny a bit, tiny, but he does he have has, some. He reason. has a beef. No, like don't get me wrong, he has a beef. But it's just like you know, because they have, they've kissed the one time. Like they've been out, like we've, they've been out on one like kind of date that we know about. Like they went to the mosh pit thing that she mentions one or two episodes previously. Like he had, he was inviting her out on a date earlier in the episode and she kind of, you know, she didn't lie to him. Like she was just like, Hey, before we do that, we should talk. Like, so like she, I feel like has been mostly upfront with him and it's just, he can't handle it. And you know, they weren't officially dating. They weren't like, you know, exclusive or whatever, you know? And it's just, I don't know. And like, and he is such a little like, bitch about it like he just walks away and like dumps his lunch he's like i don't even want to eat anymore i think i think i'll just die now like bro you're gonna be working a 12-hour medical shift i think you might want to eat your fucking cheese sandwich there like john like don't you know maybe don't throw your entire you know 
sustenance for the next 12 hours away because your girlfriend fucked George Clooney, okay? It's George fucking Clooney, okay? <laughs> like, it's okay. Like, it's not the end of the world. It's not like she's like, it, this isn't the, you know, Middle Ages or whatever. She's not tainted. Like, just get over yourself. Like, I think he's just being a little bit overly sensitive. It's not like it was, like, Green or Jerry. Right. It's it's Doug, man. Like, okay. Like, I get it. Like, a few scenes from now, okay, we're going to see probably the most homoerotic scene in the entire history of ER between these two. And, like, it's yeah. okay. Like, it's kind of all right. Go for it, man. <laughs> like, it's what it is. It is what this, it is. The, the, the community gift, this better not awaken something in me. <laughs> yeah, like, it's fine. It's fine. They basically do the volleyball scene from Top Gun. Like, they basically. That's what I was just thinking of. <laughs> like, it's basically I've never what seen it Top is. Gun. Uh, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie. But Top we all Gun, know that scene. But I have, I yeah, don't. everyone knows that scene. I'll show it to you. I'm on nobody. I'll show it to you on YouTube after this. But last note on this scene: they're in our ambulance bay. Yay! I believe we. I hope that we stick with this one throughout the rest of the series because I know it's it's definitely the correct ambulance bay. It's yeah, yeah it's the most correct. Like it's got all um, almost all of the elements with the a few very minor details that left out that get added in later with like stuff across the street but like most everything is like picture perfect at this point and the basketball courts where it's supposed to be yep i think or the hoop in the, yeah the hoop, the hoop is in the ambulance bay yep. and, and it doesn't have the weird fencing around it anymore or any and it's not in a weird alley it's in the ambulance bay yeah we're getting there so then we go on to an incoming patient from the paramedics and they're bringing in a grand mal seizure patient she's a younger girl they're guessing that it was an epileptic seizure she didn't have any identification on her so they need to start searching like child and family services or police calls for missing children because she was by herself so they're gonna find out what her deal is in a little bit and it's very sweet what we get from her a little later on it's one of my favorite carry moments um and then <laughs> Jeannie comes up to Peter and is like, hey, I didn't want to be at county. I didn't mean to be at county. It was the only rotation that was open. It was my last choice. Can you ease up, my dude? You bitch. Yeah, like, quit being a bitch. my dick, man. Like, let's be adults. Calm down. He's like, fine. Okay. Bye. Oy. Um, and then after that, we have uh, Mark Bernstein and Morgan Stern discussing Doug. So let's hear... Those, I'm sure they'll be totally kind words. <laughs> Nothing but kind words that I have to say about Doug. You're cutting him off just like that. Oh, hey, it's hardly just like that. Neil's right, Mark. We've been dealing with this Ross situation since last summer. He's a little bit more than a situation. Well, of course Not he to isn't. me, Neil. Look, Ross runs roughshod all over that ER. He takes over the care of an outpatient. Never even shows up to the Peds clinic where I can at least supervise He's him. assigned to the ER, Neil. Where obviously no one is supervising That's him. not true. But pediatrics is not going to pay for him so much as one day into the new year. You guys deal with his behavior. He's off my service. He's a good doctor. But he's a loose cannon. Not sure I could handle him any better than Neil. He's a good doctor. Look, I know this is personal for you. I know you two are friends. I'll supervise him. His fellowship runs through December. Gives him over a month to find another job. We need him in the ER. We need a lot of things in the ER, Mark. But be realistic. Have you looked at your budget? I'm doing surgery. 
that music crescendo <laughs> so, so fast. Like, it really does. You're right. This is a very soapy episode. Yeah, that, and it's not at all really appropriate for the situation. Because, I mean, it's like, oh, my friend might have to get another job. Like, Have you looked at your budget? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's very overly dramatic music uh, cue there. And I love Morgan Stern earlier in the in the conversation like basically sounding like the beleaguered police chief from a 70s cop procedural he's like he's a loose cannon i'm gonna have to take his badge like he's just (laughs) he's like i can't i can't do it mark i can't look the other way anymore like it's just that's an excellent analogy for it it's this like we talked about this during the staff meeting thing i think um a few episodes back like this is going to be kind of the doug storyline over and over again until he leaves like it's just gonna be like the like oh will he be gone oh maybe this time like to the point where when he does actually leave you're like oh shit he did oh shit he's gone this time he cries a little so many times yeah like they they go to this well so many times that by the time he actually does leave it kind of comes out of nowhere and it's just sort of like oh shit this was they're actually doing this huh this was it so then we finally get that harper and mark discussion about what he saw in the apartment that morning just a honestly this was kind of a really strong character moment for Harper I feel like and I've kind of again gone on record as as saying like I've been very impressed with what I've seen from Harper this go around like she was a character I kind of wrote off first time through and this time I'm I'm kind of gaining a whole new appreciation for her cuz she kind of takes control of this interaction like she kind of comes she kind of comes in like hat in hand like you know what's this going to do to my career? Like, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's like, I know this is the nineties and there are rules now, which I really don't know what that sentence is supposed to mean, but can't sleep with your superior. Right. Like, but, but, but I like how Mark's like, no, that's to protect you idiot. Yeah. But she's just like, yes, she's begging Mark not to report it because she doesn't want it to affect her future career and her future prospects, which is totally understandable. But I think begging is kind of a mischaracterization of, of the conversation like she's basically telling mark how it's gonna go like she's basically like look man you're not gonna fuck up my entire career because i am a independent woman who made a conscious choice to sleep with somebody who happens to be in a supervisory position like you know this wasn't a case of like my boss coerced me or i did this to further my career she's like we're just two people this happened and you're not going to fuck me like you're not going to fuck up my career over this do we understand each other like without without coming out and saying it in plain english like she's basically just like i know where i stand with this are you going to be cool about it and i just feel like it's a very strong like kind of she stands up for herself and i i think that's really really cool i think you hit the nail on the head with that one and then our our younger seizure patient wakes up and she's very agitated and disoriented. She's fidgeting around, fighting against the restraints. And Carrie is just holding her and soothing her and just being very sweet with her and connecting with her on a very human level. And the her test results come back and it turns out that she was very low on this therapeutic level of Dilantin, which is an epilepsy medication. So she had an epileptic seizure caused by her not taking her medication. And they just talk about, you know, like, she's really disoriented and out of it. And it's just, it's very much that post-ictal fear. And post-ictal is after a seizure, essentially. And just, it takes a little while to come out of the weeds. You feel like you're crawling through mud mentally for a while. And just, I can't even imagine how much worse it would be to be a, a little girl and be by yourself and have that happen. Like, 
no thank you. It's bad enough for me when I'm in our house. No thanks. So no wonder she's stressed out. And we find out a little later why she's fighting against the restraints so hard. Uh, but for now, Jeannie's bad day. Just She just can't catch a fucking break this episode. Because now she gets, she gets peed on. <sighs> Not like super, super peed on, but like... She, she gets splashed back. She's trying to help. Yeah, she definitely gets some some heavy Ugh. splashback. So, like, a gentleman that she's trying to help clearly has some some mental issues hap- going on. Uh, just whips it out and just pees on the floor in the middle of a room. Just and smiles at her. Yeah, and, yeah, she gets caught in the crossfire there. She's, yeah. Jeannie, uh, Jeannie Boulay and the hor- terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Very messy day, yes. Um, but she's like, it's fine, I have a change of clothes upstairs, whatever. No, that was already before. This is after oh, the this change is after of clothes. The change of clothes. Jesus, poor That's when she got thrown up on. Ugh. Um, but then Harper is called into a motor vehicle accident trauma by Benton. This is Mr. Preston. He's saying he was shot by the other gentleman that was wheeled in behind him. And he goes, I'm going to sue his ass. And Mark's like, oh, that's very American of you. <laughs> so we don't really see much else from this trauma, but it's just a cute little one-off scene for Mark. Then we continue with the soap opera theatrics. So we have some very dramatic music playing while Doug is sitting alone in a room, brooding. Um, and Carol walks in to talk to him. And they sort of just have a conversation about Doug's, you know, it's like, I kind of want to move on. You know, if they're going to force me out, I kind of want to move on anyway. And he says, you know, I've been here a few years and that's the longest I've been with anything or anybody. And it's time to move on. Like, I, it's but really, just, Doug? It's just such a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. His in, yeah. first is that, instinct is, is really, to run. It's just like with, um, I forgot her name already, Diane Leeds. <laughs> Diane Leeds. How he was like, oh, she wants me to move in. I got to screw this up somehow. Mm-hmm. Like anytime anything is going remotely well for him, yeah, he's um, got to mess it up. It's consistent character work. Like it's Yeah, uh, you give him nothing credit. else. And then... <laughs> Carrie overhears Jerry and a couple of other people discussing what they think Randy did time for. And Randy's at the other end of the counter. And Carrie's like, what, you can't put your money where your mouth is? Randy, what'd you do time for? And (laughs) Randy goes, malicious mischief, assault, battery, carrying a concealed weapon, and aggravated mayhem. Oof. Sounds like a a fun day. Yeah. Pretty wild Friday night. She just kind of, she doesn't really like wink at everybody, but she's just like, yeah, that's me. It's fine. Like, just sassy about it. Just I'm a bad bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. (laughs) Baddest bitch in the ER. And and Carrie just smiles and nods and walks away like, all right, I can can groove with that. So, I don't know. We don't find out who won, but just, I love when they have betting in the episodes. It's so funny. Well, Wendy didn't win because Wendy guessed kidnapping. Yeah. So, (laughs) we know Wendy definitely didn't win. And somebody, somebody guessed Grand Theft Auto. There's, there's a whole bunch of guesses, yeah. and I wish we'd documented all of them. But Dang. then, dun, 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 Mr. Zimble has crashed. Oh, no. And Carol is rummaging on the floor. We were so close. We had two pages left. And she grabs his hand while they're working on him and grabs his stamp Ooh. and notarizes the last two pages while they're trying to fix him with his hand holding his stamp. And Lydia goes, I can't believe you did that. And Carol goes, neither can I. And then he crashes. Like <laughs> and he then codes, dies. Lines. Just dies. And and Lydia goes, well, good thing you did. And it's just like, <laughs> God. It's, it's such a good comedy beat, but there's so little respect for human life. But it's such a good beat that like, <sighs> oh, 
Good thing you did. This episode is so messed. Like, it's so bizarre. Like, Yeah. Lydia's not a snitch. <laughs> All right. Do it up. Yeah. We're I, almost there. I mean, Discuss your awakening. <laughs> I mean, what, what can you say about this? This is... Welcome to the most homoerotic two minutes in the history of NBC. So Carter is outside playing some angry basketball, taking angry white boy hook shots because he can't dunk. <laughs> and Doug comes out to talk to him. And they get into like this kind of heated discussion back and forth. And like it's more of it's more of just Doug talking to Carter and Carter just kind of brooding while he dribbles. Like and eventually Carter just kind of like silently challenges him to a game of basketball and like shoves the ball into his chest and is like you know come on let's do it like let's let's be manly and then they proceed to just like bash into each other all sweaty and like aggressive and grunty and just like it is the most it's the gayest thing this show has ever put out like it is it's so very very gay you know and it's whatever it's it's just good god you know, and, and it basically it gets to like it gets to like the very like big crescendo where I, f- I feel like I forget what happens, but like the game breaks off and Carter's just like, I'm really happy that you've both made your peace with this, but I'm going to need a little more time if that's OK with everybody. Again, just kind of being very <sighs> all up in his feelings and all up in his own emotions about it. You know, it's just I still maintain like I think Carter is ultimately he has a reason to be upset, but I don't think he has a reason to be this upset. You know, he's treating it like, you know, Clooney slept with his wife. And it's like, yeah. dude, you you guys kissed one time and went to one concert. Maybe, maybe chill the fuck out. Baby Carter is definitely still in there. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's, he's doing, he's doing a little too much. I don't know. It, it works. It works well for both of them, you know, going forward. It's, it's good character work for both of them. Good character building. Uh, well, the girl with a seizure disorder is uh, fidgeting around and waking up and coming to uh, Carrie walks in and because she sees the girl trying to what looks like some rough sign language and Carrie apparently knows some sign language too, just on top of everything else that she can do. You know, just asks if she's deaf and it turns out the girl is in fact deaf. So they have a very sweet conversation in sign language and all the warm fuzzies before a couple more ridiculous scenes. Good God. Um, <laughs> we we see Shep and Carol walking under the L, and Shep comes into focus, and he has the ugliest mustache in the world, and he's like, it itches so bad, but they're letting us grow him out, so I'm not going to shave it. And Carol's just like, all right, fine. And then she's like, come on, cover your eyes, it's up here, it's up here. And she uncovers his eyes and beholds the most run-down house right next to the L, just humanly, it's boarded up there's no stairs she's like oh the stairs are in the backyard i think i can just nail them on they walk up a ramp to get there and she's like and you have to see the inside it's the biggest bedroom i've ever had and he's just like you look so beautiful you look very beautiful when you're happy and he's like wait no this is your first home i have like somebody has to carry you over the threshold and he scoops her up and ki- and like fireman carries her in and she goes, you're going to drop me. He's like, no, I want him a fireman <laughs> and carries her over. And it's, it's a very sweet moment between and the two. And when of them. he opens the, when he opens the, the screen door, uh, it falls off. <laughs> yeah. She unlocks the screen door and it just. <laughs> and there's no, the stairs are in the backyard. <laughs> the front steps are in the backyard. It's. It's a fixer know? upper. 
It's my, my, sounds like my worst nightmare. Um, and then we come to the final scene of the episode. Uh, Doug and Mark are on a train platform. They may, okay. They make it seem like the L is fancier than it is in this. And it really bugs me, but we can talk about that. I, yeah. I want to hear what you mean by this, but let's do it. Anyway. I missed mine by five minutes. So you didn't say anything to Morgan, sir? No, I didn't. Why are you doing this, Doug? You're a good doctor. Bernstein doesn't agree. I looked at that kid's chart. Joseph O'Connor. No signs of intracranial bleeding. You knew he didn't need to get admitted. You're pushing Bernstein the same way you've been pushing me. Why are you doing this, Doug? I don't know. You'll miss your train. Okay, so what bugs me is they make it seem like the owl doesn't run every five to ten minutes. Yep. Like, oh, no, I missed my train. I might have to wait an, an extra five minutes. <laughs> oh, no, you don't want to miss your train. It's not like there won't be another one going in and, three minutes. And I'm wondering what platform they're on where it's like two different ones. Because typically it's the brown line right by the hospital. So it's not it like. It could be brown or the purple line. But I'm just like. That station does serve the brown and the purple line. Well, fine then. <laughs> so it's 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 not that fancy. I assure, I assure you the Chicago, the CTA while nice <laughs> is not it's light rail it's not it's not a metro train it's, it's not it's a every Amtrak. five to ten minutes yeah it's public transit anyway. public transit debates aside um <laughs> here's my question do we feel as the the collective here do we feel like the whole sad boy doug thing is earned like, do we feel like we've done enough to lay the groundwork to get to this point where he is a sad boy in the rain on the train platform, like, telling his best friend, like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing it. I don't care. Like, no, yeah, I don't either. Like, I don't yeah, no. I don't feel like they've done enough to lay the groundwork to get this far. Like, yes, he's had his few little tiffs with with Weaver to start the season but like this is episode six like i feel like they know where they're going with seven like the next episode and so they feel like they they feel this need to backfill it where they're just like well we we know where we're going with the next episode so we need to give it a reason now and it just makes the whole thing feel a little bit rushed in my opinion if it had been something like right after he and diane split up yeah maybe but like things have been going well for him he's been having pretty ladies over to his house all his girlfriends know about each other yes exactly he has been like doing the 90s bachelor thing this whole season and one bad day and he's like i don't care i'll fuck my job exactly he he had one bad consequence day not even a bad day a day where he actually got called out on his consequences and didn't even really get called out on his consequences he's not getting like fired with cause and like he's gonna have to answer for about this like the guy the guy's like quote unquote firing him in the most polite way possible like he's like i'm just not gonna renew your fellowship please enjoy the rest of your very lucrative doctor career like 
but just enjoy it somewhere else. Right. <laughs> like, he's not really suffering any real consequences here. And, and none of what he, like, the only real potential consequence I could see him suffering from this is that him and Mark wouldn't get to hang out anymore. And he doesn't even seem that overly sad about that. So it's just like, what are you that upset about, dude? Like, and it just seems very, like, it's it feels like they need a reason for him to be sad, Doug, for the next episode. And so they just kind of shoehorned it into this one to give us a reason and it just it, feels a little just, bit rushed it just feels like everyone's being childish and i'm oh, not God, here yeah. for it the, the whole th- this is a messy episode i think yeah let's talk about the, okay so this is a super dense episode i liked it though i really i really did i really liked it yeah i i think it's fine yeah i think it's fine i think it i think it's one of the weaker ones we've had in season two so far but i think it's okay i think if you took it over you know if you were ranking all of the episodes of all time, I, I don't think it would be in the bottom tier or anything. It's, but it's just it's miles it's messy. Ab- it's miles above the filler tier that we saw in a, in season one. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more interesting than than some of those filler episodes for sure. Like they found the voice. Yeah, because stuff is still happening. Right. Like we're- meaningful stuff is still happening between yeah. recurring characters. <laughs> like I mean, outside of outside of Susan and maybe Mark to to a certain extent. Does anyone else really come off as likable in this episode? Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Carrie's she's but she is a little bit rude at the beginning. Like she's kind of hard on Wendy at the beginning. Randy. Yeah, I'm ta- yeah. I'm talking I and when I say anybody, I mean like I'm talking like, you know, our our principal characters here. I mean, Benton's an asshole in this episode. Carter's a big baby. Doug's a, a sad boy. Susan you know, doesn't like, do much. Susan doesn't do much, but but when she does, like she's my kind of my exception, like because the the few moments we do get to see of her in this episode, she does, you know, we, we see some real growth and we see like I, I think she comes out smelling like a rose, and then Green, like I said, he kind of to a lesser extent I feel like comes out pretty likable here, but just about everybody else, like whether it be a case of them acting out of character or we're just taking their character in a really weird direction very few people come off really honestly likable in this episode everybody's kind of in it at their worst version of themselves here agreed but we get a big bad one next week oh i'm excited um we get this season's blizzard i would say it's the season's love labor loss yeah as soon as i said that i immediately regretted i was like ah it's actually better than that like it's better than blizzard like, because okay, it does involve weather, but we're getting ahead. Of, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that beautiful episode next week. But for now, that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. As always, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at Patreon.com/slash the Tone Podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. Higher tier rewards, once unlocked, will include special season recap episodes, a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for our for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment and also monthly movie commentaries where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an er cast member we'd also greatly appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts we are at set the tone er on twitter we are on facebook at facebook.com slash setting the tone podcast and we are at setting the tone podcast on instagram our theme music today is provided to us by andrew edwards of blue police box music and daniel where can folks find you at they can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode uh, and put it through a little mock trial. All right, and Lauren, where can folks find you at? 
Folks can find me live tweeting episodes of Deal or No Deal created on Animal Crossing on my personal Twitter at Lobob92345. Guys, check this out. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I watched three episodes of it today and it makes my life. I've never cared more about fake money. Uh, (laughs) And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Random Gamer. gamer, That's G-A-M-3-R. Uh, thank you again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next week for probably the wettest episode in the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> now, have a great week. <laughs>